the history in volume and pause podcast in association with the history corner dot org podcasts articles reviews Hello and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. Hi and also welcome to the Anthology of Heroes podcast. This week we talk all things Roman. And this will be available on two platforms. And co-hosted by me, Ollie. And myself, Elliot. Now, before we start, as an Australian, I have a very important question to ask you. Right. Are you ready? I am, please. Do you drink tea? And if so, what is your favourite brand? Right. I'm not going to have a good answer for you there, I've got to say. I, I drink tea probably once a fortnight, and it's whatever is put in front of me. Um, I'm not even... I, I've seen your little rivalry you've got going with um, some of the other guys, but I, I can't weigh in. I just take whatever's given. I don't even have milk. I don't have sugar. I have black or mint or green, and that's about it. <laughs> I mean, green tea is uh, is a good contender, and one that's not actually uh, been mentioned thus far. So um, that that can be your that can be your input, green tea, and it matches the color of your logo. So uh, it does actually. There you go, and you challenge it into mm. the arena, so to speak. That's it, and um, and my last yeah. name. So it's yeah. Ah, very nice. Hmm. That's We're, a nice segue. Yeah, to see what I did there. What I did. I did. I've got to say, my um, I, I got introduced from my girlfriend here, who's English, into they. It's called builder's tea. I don't know if you say the same thing. It's just tea with milk and sugar. I don't know why it needs its own little, little. Do builders drink it? Yeah, yeah. On the on the building side, it's um, it's the standard. Instead of just saying like milk and two sugars, like constantly, you just say builder's tea. Um, right. Okay. I mean. I, I don't know many people that have sugar these days. It's kind of a taboo um, to, to, to sort of ruin the tea taste with sugar. Yeah, um, yeah fair enough. It, it, ironically, it, it's seen as such a, a British thing, but it's actually from China. So it's, yeah, absolutely mental. Um, yeah, you, you've got a bit of a history over there, don't you? <laughs> mm, yes, yes. I also wonder as well, so you get... Um, so the Italians are obviously very well known for their coffee, but mm-hmm. surely coffee beans are not grown in Italy. They're grown in um, sort of hotter. I know. I know Italy is hot, but like Africa, um, like continents like that. So why is yeah, it? So, so coffee's. Why is it I Italian? Mean, I think. Well, coffee started in Yemen or um, or Ethiopia. I mm. can't remember one of the two. And then it slowly made its way into like the new world and, you know, it was brought back. But I think it's just the manufacturing takes place in Italy 
and I'm guessing they probably had a bit of a bit of a colonial empire around around Ethiopia and stuff like that, so they brought it back. But in Australia, it's very much yeah, you you Italian coffee, and it's we're pretty much coffee snobs, I would say, especially in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never been to Australia, so I I can't I can't comment. But um, is is tea a big thing in Australia? Uh, your grandma might have a tea. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of something that the old, maybe your grandparents will sit around for a cup of tea or something, mm. but not so much with, I mean, yeah, unless you're trying to go on like a cleanse for green tea specifically or something, mm. I wouldn't say it's, coffee is just, everyone gets coffee. Builders on sites, there's no builder's tea, it's just builder's coffee, you know? Seven yeah. Eleven coffee. Seven <laughs> Eleven. I didn't know what that was until I went into Europe, because we don't have it here, um, and... Mm. Uh, when I was in like Denmark, I pretty much lived in the Seven Eleven. I thought it was amazing. Um, I was just about to say you're not missing much, but apparently you have some fond memories of it. So I'll leave you with I'll them. Tell, I'll <laughs> tell you. I'll tell you. Uh, I, I was in um, Norway in Oslo and um, just on a little city break there, and I went into the Seven Eleven and I had um, like a hot dog from one of the hot counters mm-hmm. there. And I shit you not, this seagull came and, like, attacked me because I had this hot dog. Um, but I, I sort of managed to fight it off. But it landed on my head and would not get off. Like, the Norwegian... I'm just trying to picture this. Yeah. The Norwegian... Pe- there's me standing outside this 7-Eleven, like, like, running around with this um, bloody seagull on my head. They must have been like, what... The hell is that Englishman doing? I bet they were they were glad of Brexit when all that shit was going on. They were like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, get rid of him, get rid of him." Uh, can't even handle the seagulls, let alone the EU. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, honestly, it was it was one of the funniest things I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, but but because I was travelling on my own, I kind of had no one to witness it apart from myself. Yeah, okay. So you'll probably see yourself on YouTube ten, you know, a few years later. You know, English tourist yeah. runs from small bird. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing small about this bird, I tell you. Right, I'll the, take your word. Yeah, <laughs> these the Norwegian birds are vicious, vicious. Yeah. I tell you. Anyway, we'll get back to topic. Um, we shall. We're talking about the Romans today. We are yes. So I think we're doing our top two or three Roman moments, if I recall. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think you're going to bring uh, bring it to the table first, and then I'm going to go, and then you're going to go, and then I'm going to go again. <laughs> so all right, all right. yeah, hopefully uh, it will it will flow. Yeah, sure, sure. All right. So so my first one, and I think it really defines what it is to to, to kind of be Rome. It's an early story. It's from um, around two hundred BC. In the uh, the Punic Wars, have you have you heard of them too much? No. So the Romans is something that we're kind of taught at school, but I think I spoke to you okay. about it um, before. We're kind of taught it in a linear sort of fashion. So obviously the Romans were a long time ago. So we're very mm-hmm. young when we're taught this stuff. So the Romans yeah. is something I don't really have huge amounts of knowledge on. So okay, yeah. All right, all right. So. so what you've got is as Rome is kind of becoming this this superpower of the Mediterranean, there's another much larger superpower in Northern Africa called Carthage. So that's centred around kind of Tunisia, Algeria kind of area. Um, you might have heard of Hannibal. He's the guy that crossed the um, crossed the Alps with elephants. Hmm. Not, ha- story? not Hannibal Lecter. No, no. <laughs> I, maybe it was based on him. But uh, 
anyway, that, that's a story for another time. But anyway, so um, this, the first Punic War was kind of, uh, I believe, a bit of a stalemate. And then the second Punic War broke out. So it's kind of like, it's almost like the World War, World War II kind of thing. It's, mm. It draws in not just the two big powers, but all their little allies, little nation states and stuff like that, right? So you've got this battle called the Battle of Cannae. So it's really famous for just being the most brutal, one of the most brutal battles ever fought, especially for these times. So Rome had around 85,000 men. Carthage had around 50,000. And you've got the Roman legions, um, you know, the best of the best troops, like, you know, drilled, you know, these are, this is Rome at its peak, right, on the way up. Mm. And then you've got, you know, Carthage troops. They're, they're okay. So as the Roman legions advance, Hannibal, who's in control of the Carthage troops, like stretches his line further and further out, right? So he extends it and it becomes like re- a really thin, long, long line. So he's got the weak troops in his centre and they slowly give more and more ground because they're not, they're not well trained and he knows that they're going to back away. So the, lo- the line kind of begins to curve and you get this crescent moon formation as Rome pushes further and further in. And then as this happens, this is kind of hard to explain, I've got my hands in front of me here, but a semicircle begins to form around this advancing Roman army, right? And eventually they're packed in so tight that that they can't even swing their own swords, right? So as the cavalry of the Carthaginians come around the back, they completely and fully encircle this Roman army, right? Like they have completely trapped them. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's a pretty grim time. And... Rome is just all, all these Roman legions that took years and years to train. They're just completely butchered like, you know, like lemmings. Wow. So one after the other, 70,000 men on one day are killed. I mean, and it might not sound like much when you hear about armies of 100,000s, but this, this is killed. This is not captured or, you know, ransomed or stuff. This is just butchered. Mm. So roughly 600, 600 of the best men, sorry, um, 600 of the best legions Rome could field were killed per minute. 600 men per minute were just, like, dropping off, right? And it got <laughs> so bad nice. that... In, it, it is, it is. And it got so bad that in the middle, as these men in the middle are looking at just this army just killing everyone, they just started to kill themselves too rather than, you know, wait for this kind of impending doom coming for them. Right, so... What a decision to have to make as well. I know, yeah. yeah, And and very quickly as well. Um, Yeah. It's just like systematic slaughter, right? But Mm. anyway, so one of the guys manages to get away. His name's Scipio. He's called Scipio Africanus in the end for for later reasons. So him and a few men manage to like punch through one of the lines and he, he gets away with a few hundred people. So Rome is completely and utterly defeated. This is this is everything. They've got nothing at all left. Um, it's an absolutely brutal defeat. And then so Carthage opens up the term. Uh, Carthage goes to them, right, you know, we've beaten you. You've got nothing left. It's time to surrender. And Rome just goes, no, we're not, we're not going to do it. It's like <laughs> imagine Ollie, someone, someone goes to you, oh, I'm sorry, um, we've had a few good dates, but I'm going to have to break up with you. And you just go, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, I reject your, your breakup, <laughs> right? I always thought, you know, when people, um, like, hand in their resignation, you see it a lot in uh, American television shows, and they're like, I don't accept your resignation. Like, how can you not <laughs> accept someone's resignation? Like, they're... It was literally, right? <laughs> yeah, mad. It's like they had nothing left, right? But this this is what makes Rome so so potent, right? So over the course of 
a few months, a few years, they, they just pull more legionaries out of nowhere. And they say um, there's a really famous podcaster who I enjoy called Dan Carlin, and he says Rome could take a punch like no one else, right? So if you picture kind of two boxes, you know, Rome could get hit that many times and bring itself back. So mm. over the next few years, they build up again and again and again, and they've got this – they finally come together and they've got this guy called Fabius, right? He's known to history as Fabius the Delayer. And if you've ever heard of a, a Fabian tactic, it means to just delay victory. So this guy with whatever armies he's got while he's waiting for you know more reinforcements just follows round Carthage and the army as they just destroy city after city of Rome because he can't do anything, right? So you just got to watch them. Mm. Um, and then eventually they manage to turn it round and there's, there's a big victory. But I feel like the story just encapsul- encapsulates you know, what makes Rome so, so potent and so, and I mean, this, this is a story from their starting, right? If, if they had maybe just lied down, then perhaps the world would be a different place today. Yeah. I mean, I definitely got, you, you have this image, don't you, of, of Rome and Romans. Like, I mean, if anyone's seen the film, like 300 and stuff, you kind of get mm. this idea that, that um, Rome is a kind of a force to be reckoned with, which is why it's mm. so bizarre when it collapsed, a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. I suppose it's like any superpower. Like at at, at times they're seen as uh, invincible, but then slowly the cracks begin to show. I mean, I'm thinking of um, uh, the Nazis. I'm thinking of the Soviet Union. I'm thinking of big, um, uh, like uh, East Berlin, um, part of the Soviet Union. All that kind of stuff. Um, they were seen as undefeatable. Like mm. Rome, um, mm. but then as was the British Empire at one point, and now we're a laughing stock. <laughs> um, oh, I wouldn't say a laughing stock. Uh, yeah, I would. <laughs> I've got okay. a lot of your. <laughs> I've got a lot of European friends. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So uh, that's really interesting, though. Like I had this really like uh, you. You know when they were circling. Um, uh, the Romans uh, into that into that tight circle. Um, I got an image of I don't know if you've ever been to like a a, a heavy metal gig, but they do the circle pits and stuff. And like oh, the, the circle pit. of death or whatever. Yeah, called. yeah, yeah. I just yeah. got that image in my head as yeah. well. Like it was probably an early formation of. It probably was to be honest. Uh, and a fun fact as well: if you you you've seen Game of Thrones, right? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. You know the Battle of the Bastards that that battle oh, with, with Jon Snow. Such a good yeah. yeah yeah. So apparently, and this is uh, and this could be contested. I've read that was battle that was uh based on Canae, right? But obviously, mm. no one came to save the Romans that day, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of Game of Thrones is based on sort of taken from from historical pieces. Oh, hundred percent. It 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 seems really alien, but if you look at the 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 basic like geography of it you've got the wall which would have been hadrian's wall north of the wall would have been scotland um mm-hmm. uh, king of the north that would have been uh sort of the midsection of the uk so uh, uh manchester leeds lancaster um mm. and then you've got um uh the south which was i can't remember the names what were the names lannisters that's it uh Castley um, rock yeah, so the, Lan- the 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 wherever the Lannisters were, 
Um, I think it was Castle Rock yeah. called Dragonstone or something. Oh, so, it's been a while. So that would have been the uh, that would have been London. So it's mm. it's very much based on the geography of uh, the UK, and then obviously other um, places are brought in and stuff. But yeah, if you rewatch it in a historical context, it does make you can you can draw parallels to it massively. Um, yeah, I think especially the Unsullied are based on, I think they're based on Mamluks, which were slave soldiers that were kind of uh, Egyptian in origin and they overthrew their masters and blah, blah, blah. So mm. I, I can definitely see, I don't know if all these are confirmed, but I mean, George R. R. Martin was obviously a bit of a history buff, so probably drew inspiration from them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Game of Thrones was amazing until the last episode and then it was terrible. Oh, don't even get me started, mate. I can't, I'm still not over that yet. <laughs> It was so disappointing. I'll tell you what, like if they if they left it the episode before the last episode where she burnt the city down, they could have just left yeah. it there and it would have been amazing. But after all these seasons of fighting and fighting and fighting and they just sit on a bloody stage and like, yes, you can be king. Okay. Yeah, look, like, I think my interest had started to drop off a bit with like, I don't know. I, Daenerys like burning down the whole city. She had her whole arc of redemption. It, was it meant to be, well, you know, no, you know, a leopard never changes its stripes kind of thing, and she was always going to be evil. Was that it? Mm, I don't know. I think it was a power. It was a power thing. I, I, uh, that's what I got from it anyway. I think like you yeah. can, you can sort of go with the best intentions, um, but as humans, we're kind of greedy and power hungry, mm. and. Mm. I saw it as a control thing. Like, maybe they're not going to listen to me or they're not going to follow me, so actually I'm going to assert dominance here, which is what mm. people who conquer places have been doing forever and yeah. a day. Um, the whole capitalist system that we kind of uh, sit under is run by fear. <laughs> so, mm. ultimately, isn't it? Like, I am... Uh, uh, you take it back to modern day with um, nuclear weapons and all that kind of stuff. Although we we sort of put ourselves out there to be civilized, actually, like fear does control the world. Uh, that mm. was deep. I didn't mean to get that deep. Sorry. No, I was going <laughs> to say that got really, uh, really metaphorical. There, I was like, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I got on my soapbox then. Again, <laughs> no, please get off. It's really hard, like being a historian and sort of having strong political views and kind of mm. not expressing them when you're doing these podcasts. It's really hard, um, especially well, when uh, the um, the history is normally written in favour of the victors, and it's not mm, necessarily well, yeah, it's not necessarily the truth. Um, mm. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I think everyone's got a little bit of bias, right, naturally, but as long as you're doing your best to kind of contain that, I think that's all you can ask. Mm, I don't think I do a very good job of containing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing a right job. You stay fairly impartial, I think. Mm, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, that was really interesting. Oh, thanks. I'm glad. Yeah, I, I, I kind of butchered the... It's hard to kind of get a, get a bit of momentum built up, but um, I'm glad you think so. No, absolutely. And again, it's a lot of the characters that you mention on your podcast in general are people that I don't know about because that's not kind of my area of expertise. So it it teaches me loads. So, so you sort of deal with ancient civilizations and um, 
even the word anthology, do you know what I mean? It's like sort of an oldie worldy kind of word, like way, way, way back in the past and and all across the world as well, which is for me is really interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of what I initially had planned, right? So, like, almost like a tome of, uh, you know, forgotten people kind of... Um, and it's, it's varied a lot. I think the... When's the oldest one I would have covered? Would have to be in the... It'd be somewhere around the... Alfred might be the oldest, actually. Maybe 800 AD. And then it goes up to my one on uh, Bacasa, the, the cannibal emperor of Africa. That was 1970. So, it's a bit all over the place. But generally, I feel like it's... There's like less, I suppose, emotion about people in the past than there are now. People are much more likely to have strong opinions on very recent people compared to, you know, people from, you know, Alfred's time. Or, mm. Yeah, I agree, because we're, we're so far removed from mm. from it all, exactly. um, which is, I mean, it's good that you're bringing them to the forefront, though, because you're telling people about people that are potentially going to get lost to history. Do you know what I mean? If there's no real... Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's what's been especially interesting about the ones I've covered in Africa. Uh, they're, they're so hard to research because you read something and you think, oh, that's that's really interesting. I wonder if I can find more. Mm-hmm. And if it was someone in Europe, generally you could, even if it was in another language. But so many of these African kingdoms, it's all there is is like a little scrap of information about them, at least that I can find. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. So, so Africa as a continent, I've I've kind of I've never really covered, and it's not because I don't want to. It's just because the information is so scarce um, mm. on a lot mm. of um, uh, on a lot of information um, on, on on a lot of events and stuff that have happened, and it's hard to research it without getting a massively westernized view of it as well from here. Um, it's hard, so good on you. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, thanks very much. Yeah, no, I've noticed. I think you, you've certainly got a, a great niche going with um, mostly European centric ones. Um, I certainly enjoyed the last one around. Um, uh, well, what became the story of Moby Dick? The the real story of Moby Dick, I guess it was. You know, mm. a very angry whale and a very bunch of hungry cannibalistic people. And it meant like uh, what what I learn every day doing more and more podcasts is that people are dickheads that's yeah yeah basically i mean <laughs> that's that we, that is that should be my new tagline just yeah ollie green people are dickheads yeah. just that's all there is rename the podcast ditch I'm, everything i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it all, the, all this all this stuff that i've printed out i'm gonna scrap it right yeah just right over the top of it yeah yeah <laughs> like a stamp <laughs> Dickheads. <laughs> I can imagine like people coming up to me, like just uh, giving me historical people's names, and I have to decide whether they're a dickhead or not. Oh, that yeah. could be a really good segment. I'm going to write that in somewhere. Please do that. Actually, yeah, just have like you know you know that audio sound where you can hear a stamp going down, like zoom, yeah. you know, as like the the dickhead stamp goes. When I um when I first started the podcast, I I had this image in my head of 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 being quite highbrow. Not high, high, not mm. Mm, I, maybe that's not the right word, but I kind of wanted to be professional and I kind of wanted to, um, I wanted to get everything right and I didn't want to swear and I did, 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 did. but um, I think I found a niche in um, what people because history can be intimidating, right? Like, mm. I mm. think, um, 
and like you could have knowledge and still be down to earth as well mm. without being like academically stuck up I think yeah um, I, I agree and I think that's what when I do my intros I kind of try and grab like the most exciting part of the story and I wouldn't say embellish it but certainly there's some detail that just isn't available so I try and kind of bring one particular scene to life and then hopefully someone's interested enough to go okay I want to see how we got to that point and that's you know the rest of it. I liked your um promo when you're talking about two pack and then you play a little <laughs> bit of two pack thing and you're like no not that one. <laughs> like, I mean he was one. named after him it's it's that close right? <laughs> yeah 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 definitely definitely just a few hundred years between guessed. them. Yeah a few continents too but <laughs> yeah yeah um maybe one lived longer than the other though I don't know. Mm oh but I think both of them was pretty quick. Mm Poor Tupac. Mm. Two packs, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to any Tupac fans out there. I don't even know <laughs> what did he sing. That um... yeah, all eyes on me, you know, I California, don't... California. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, when did he die? In the nineties, sometime. Yeah, it was a whole feud between him and Biggie. Like he was East Coast, the other one was West Coast. I can't remember. One of them was one of them. No, he, B- Biggie was New York. Tupac was California, and there was like a whole. They were friends, and they had a falling out, and it's quite a quite a saga. Mm. I remember it being a massive big deal, but I think I was a bit too young. Yeah, to you probably of... shouldn't have been listening to that music at, at your young age. Get early, it. I would oh, my brother! <laughs> my brother had a Def Jam, um, like cassette thing, and it had all this okay. like. Uh, to be fair, you know what? Like, I mean, I, I've told this story before, but when I was younger, so my dad was a lot older when he had me, um, mm-hmm. so he kind of forgot like what was appropriate for children or not. So like, my mum would go to work in the evenings, and we'd like he'd put horror films on, there'd be war films on, like God. he'd put yeah, Full Metal Jacket. I remember watching that when the guy blows his brains out. I remember oh. watching It the Clown when I was a kid. Um, and, yeah, he just didn't get it that it wasn't appropriate for, like, <laughs> kids at all. Um, have you ever seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Uh, yeah, a long time ago. I'm guessing you were watching it instead of that, were you? So, well, well, so Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, if you, if you look back on it, is actually, like, horrific. It's about, like, people stealing children and, like, locking them up. It's what? fucking... Yeah, it's brutal. The car? Yeah, how? I mean, I, I don't remember the plot for the movie, but I thought I would have... <laughs> so so the, 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 the car is actually a very minimal part of the, the film. Um, it okay. is So they end up in some like European country and uh, this king and queen like banish the children from the village and the child catcher will come out and take the children away, right? It's, right, hori- okay. it's, it's horrific, right? And if you Google the child catcher, it looks a bit like Michael Jackson, like in, oh his, in his later days. But he used to have this phrase. And my dad, like, if, if we were ever, like, misbehaving, my dad would say this phrase. And still to this day, if he says it, it sends shivers up my spine. <laughs> like, okay. And, it, and it, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this now, but it's like, lollipops and sweeties, children. <laughs> All free today. Like it's oh, it's grim. And then he locks them in a cage, 
and then takes them away. Like, how is that a kid's film? Brutal. I, I've got to say, you, you were wrong to just tell me what I can say to immediately cause fear to you, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, don't do that. It was just... Um, <laughs> that's my weakness. That's my weakness. Got it, got it. Anyway, back to Rome. <laughs> Please, um, yes. Back to Rome. Have you been to Rome? I have. I've been to Rome a few times, actually, mm, yeah. Beautiful, isn't it? I remember it is, getting... It um, there was a uh, a French pilot strike, so we ended up having to stay there for an extra few days. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah, I'm, I bet you really hated that rather than going home. Oh, it was such a beautiful place, but it rained the whole time I was there. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. But so, it, it do... it's mad, like you're walking down the street and you're like, yeah, that's 3,000 years old or that's 2,000 years old and that's that. And it, like, it's just there mm. in front of mm. you. It's mad. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've seen so many pictures of, you know, what it would look like if so much of it wasn't, you know, repurposed for building materials because they tore down a lot of it just to make things like, you know, powder for ceilings and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It was there's so much just lost, right? And some of the best ruins of the Roman Empire are definitely outside of Rome, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we have a lot of Roman ruins in Britain as well. You do, yeah. Mm. You've got that cool... You've got a lot of mosaics and stuff that were found recently, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that leads me quite nicely onto my topic. So Mm. I'm going to talk to you about um, the the Roman invasion of of Britain, or England mainly, Um, and I'm going to talk about uh, why... They didn't okay. get into Scotland. Um, so Hadrian's Wall was kind of seen as their last frontier. But is this true or is this not? I hear you ask. I'm going to tell you, Elliot. Don't you worry. Okay, please. <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm just talking please. to myself now. So um, <laughs> this is how I work. Um, I thought it was rhetorical. It was. Yeah, it's fine. So Scots uh, are very proud of the fact that Romans had an empire spanning most of the globe, but they couldn't acquire Scotland, building Hadrian's Wall to keep the savages, quotations, at bay. Scotland had valuable natural resources like lead, silver and gold. The the Romans also got rich by charging the people that they'd conquered uh, taxes and forcing them to become slaves. Uh, But the tribes of Scotland did not want to give up their lands without a fight. So the Romans came for, in quotation marks, the glory of Rome, um, as they wanted to conquer new lands and make their empire bigger. But when they got to Scotland, something stumped them. The Scots. Yeah. Like, when it comes to history of the Romans in Scotland, it could be said that myth and legend have played their parts... Um, in shaping an uh, idealistic work, like, version of events. Um, it, uh, very much viewed by the Scottish, um, it's tempting to see Hadrian's Wall as a testament to their savagery and their, their winning of, of, of not allowing the Romans to come over into Scotland. Now, Scotland at the time wasn't called Scotland, it was called Caledonia. Um, Mm. So Mm. Caledonia uh, is still a word that's massively used in Scotland today. You have the Caledonian Railway. Um, A lot of hotels are called the Caledonia. Um, The area is roughly where Scotland is now, although it came down a little bit further into England. 
while there's uh, some truth in this, that they didn't conquer Scotland, uh, for the whole story, it's not exactly entirely true. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. okay. So, tell. yeah. So, um, some of the earliest evidence for the Romans in Scotland comes from Gask Ridge. That's G A S K Ridge. Um, it's an earth bank defence in Perthshire, which dates from around AD 70. So, the Gas Ridge, Gask, it's my accent, it's Gask, not Gas. Got it, got it, Gask. Uh, Gask. Is about 20 miles, uh, which is 32 kilometres, um, uh, that the Romans set up as, as um, kind of like a watchtower. So there was, it was, a, it was a bank, an embankment uh, with watchtowers all along it. So okay. if you're looking at a map of, uh, of the UK now, Perthshire is quite high up. It's higher than Edinburgh. It's higher than Glasgow. Mm-hmm. So the idea that the Romans didn't, sort of past Hadrian's Wall, which is way down in England now, in Northumbria, uh, going right the way off uh, across to Cumbria. Um, it's simply not true. So they were in Scotland. Right, OK. Yeah. Now, but this was... But they left. Mm, yes. So this was early, early days. So when... Uh, so the, the Scots were, were kind of having none of it. They were just like, right, you've come in, and we, we've kind of been a bit, I don't know, a bit defeatist, I guess. Um, but hold on, wait, we're not standing for this. What are you doing here? <laughs> so um, Caledonians right. were built up of lo- loads of different clans, um, okay. what we would see as clans now, so kind of different tribes, um, right. which would usually fight each other um, but when the Romans came, they kind of like joined forces okay. to go okay. against their common enemy. So, so we know uh, that the Romans did invade Scotland. Um, it's generally accepted that this did take place um, south of the border. So the English will very much say, well, yes, they did go up there, actually, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the Scots uh, very much are like, no, it didn't happen. Um, it did happen. And now I know that sounds ironic coming from an English person. However, I did live in Scotland for five years. So I am very um, in love with Scotland. So I am very um, non-biased on this topic. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, absolutely. Scotland is beautiful and I would move back there tomorrow, actually. I I was going to ask, wasn't there a secondary wall built in front of Hadrian's Wall? But they they left it and came back further? Yeah, I'm going to get to that. (laughs) <laughs> oh, sorry, I jumped. No, down no, no, absolutely no. But there, there, um, there was another wall. There was a series of walls. Oh, okay. going up. Um, so I, I, I've entitled this section: Why did the Romans build walls? Okay. Okay. So the okay. Romans didn't just go around building walls because they felt like it. <laughs> they did it to protect themselves from unfriendly northern tribes. So in AD 122, the Emperor Hadrian ordered his soldiers to build a wall between Roman Britain and Caledonia, so Scotland. The Romans also built forts and stationed soldiers along the wall to keep them off, um, to, to, to fend the Scottish off. In AD 140, the Romans added another wall further north between the River Clyde and the River Forth. And it was called the... And I Antonine. Would... Antonine, right? 
we'll go for that. So it was called the Antonine Wall. Okay. After the Emperor Antonius. Antonius. There we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was often attacked by Caledonian tribes. So that's the second wall that was built a little ah, bit further okay. up. Okay. Um, in AD 160, the Romans abandoned the wall and made Hadrian's Wall the border. So they've started high up in Perthshire. They've come down to between Edinburgh and Glasgow, where the, the Forth and the Clyde River joins. Mm-hmm. And then they've come down even further. So they're basically getting pushed back right, by okay. the tribes. Um, so uh, there, there was a need for a strong defence in Scotland because um, the, the tribes were basically uh, known as savages. However, this was not the only reason why they were pushed back. So the Romans kind of used their their resources so so they needed the resources but when they used up the resources then they didn't need to be there anymore or if they didn't think there was a point in um settling somewhere then they would just withdraw because it wasn't worth their time or effort so they were concentrate uh, concentrating on places like colchester um london which was londinium and um St Albans, uh, which I will talk about later. Um, so they had got everything they wanted, and that's why they were coming back. Now, the Scots will tell you, or it's written a lot in Scottish history, that they were pushed back because there was this uprising and they were pushed back. It's half true. It's not okay. fully true. Okay? So the Romans, although they were four at every step of the way... They had used their resources, so they didn't need to be there anymore. Ah, uh, so they were very much just letting it go anyway. They, you know, they they'd smashed and grabbed, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. Um, so they got further and further down. Uh, they had to stop the Scots from coming into England. Hence, Hadrian's Wall became the famous like last line of defence. Got it. Got it. Um, so. I mean, I don't know what you knew about this before. So, so, so it's very much a, a proud moment in Scottish history where they talk about this. They talk about Scots and the Romans, um, but yeah, it, it's it's a mythalized version of the story, which a lot of stories are. A lot of uh, historical events are, of kind course, of. yeah. Um, but yeah, I've I. I'm really sorry, Scottish people. I feel like I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail now. No, um. I feel like <laughs> I feel like everyone kind of knows that Scots are pretty, you know, tough. The the, the fact that they've still got a culture that still exists that's so independent from Britain, mm. while still living in such close proximity to what would be, you know, one of the biggest empires in the world, is a testament to that, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it's. So, so this regression kind of happened over a number of years. So mm. um, it wasn't it wasn't like you see on the telly, like they went up there, there was a battle, they left. Mm. This this went on for years and years and years um, until the, yeah, they ta- they'd taken basically everything that they, that they wanted. Um, so the Romans basically cut all communication up to left when they didn't need them anymore. Mm. Um, mm. which is why they ended up leaving Britain entirely because they didn't need it anymore. It wasn't seen as an important part of the empire. 
Um, yeah, well, they were kind of bleeding pretty badly at that point. Every, they were losing everything, right? I think mm. Honorius, I think, was the emperor who who let it all go. I think it was just like, we can't hang on to anything except, you know, the bare essentials now. So Britain, you're going to have to do what you usually do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's this, uh, there's this notion that um, before the Romans came... Squalor. Of, yeah. We were all living in squalor, and I, I um I saw this. I don't know if you know the uh, the the historian Neil Oliver. He does all the coast television programs. So no, I don't know him. No. He's a Scottish guy. Got long hair. Um, okay. Really nice accent. Like really, you know, like you could sit there and it's like hypnotic. You could listen to him <laughs> for ages. Okay. Um, okay. And he uh, he he very much deals with the Celts, and he right. is very anti this idea that when the Romans came over, that they gave us this and they gave us that. He said that it was already, there was already functioning things here. They just modified them, um, right? Okay. And like like everything over time, things improve, don't they? So, mm. um, he was saying that actually the Celts would have got to this point, but they were invaded. So, they kind of got to this point with the Romans being there. So it's kind of seen as the Romans civilizing people. Um, Instead, it was what just speeding them up a bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. well. That's okay. his theory, anyway. That's his. Um, yeah, I, I suppose through through trade with the rest of the world, it probably could have happened naturally, anyway, right? Yeah, but yeah. Um, there's always benefits. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've. I mean, there's there's Roman sites all over Britain, so they were here mm. for a while. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, there was a there was a big coliseum in London, which you can still see the outline of um, yep. near the Guildhall, um, which is a COVID vaccination centre at the moment. Just fun fact: I tried to have a look. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, <laughs> Londinium itself was a um, uh, was a Roman settlement. Uh, the The Romans built the first London Bridge, um, which was the only bridge for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, over the Thames, uh, there was yeah places like Colchester and um, St Albans, which again I'll talk about later. Um, that's my second topic. But um, uh, there's there's Roman baths. You've got Bath itself, which was a spa town, like a Roman hot spring town. Um, yeah, a lot of places in Britain. I mean, I actually went all the way to to Bath not too long ago, um, and I didn't realize you had to book. To get in, and because it was like just after COVID, they had a very strict allocation about how many people could get in. So I went all the way to Bath and didn't see the Bath. <laughs> Do you know it's funny because I did exactly the same thing. Oh, you're kidding, really? <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, well, I got there and it was closed. Um, ah, okay. Because of COVID, I mean, Bath is a beautiful place. You wouldn't recognize yeah. it as a Roman town now because it's all very uh, Georgian in its. Yeah, you're style. right. Kind of cobbled streets, right? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was. Um, it was kind of reinvented in the Georgian times as like a spa health kick place. Um, one of the new towns, um, I say new town, it's not new, but um, if you ever go to Edinburgh, Edinburgh's new town is Georgian as well, as well as right. Bath, Oxford is the same. Okay. Um, yeah, if anyone kind of talks about a new town, they tend to be talking about Georgian towns. Right, fair, fair. Um, but yeah, there uh, loads of places. So, it, for example, uh, just off the A1, which is the Great North Road from London to Edinburgh, mm-hmm. um, which is a Roman road. <laughs> the Romans it's straight, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it's taken diversions at, at certain uh-huh. places over the time. But um, 
Yeah, that's the that's the Roman road, and actually underneath uh, the A one, um, the Great North Road uh, at the Wellin Hatfield Junction, um, they found uh, a Roman bath, literally sandwiched really? under the. And wow. you, it's under the A one, and you can you can go into it now. Um, and you're, you're going to have to send me that. Actually, I'd like to. I'd like see to it. see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You literally just park up and walk underneath the A one. It's mad. Wow. Um, wow. But yeah, all, all these um, Roman architectural buildings are sort of springing up constantly. So it's really interesting. And there's there's um, uh, this architecture is in Scotland as well. So it proves that they were there. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Okay. Um, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's quite, yeah. quite far up north too. Actually, that's surprising. I didn't know it moved, you know, that far into it. I, mm. I mean, I knew there was Hadrian's and the Antonine Wall, but I didn't know. Yeah, that's that's quite extensive, right? They, they really gave it a go. <laughs> Red hot crack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. All right, should I jump into my next topic? Yes, then? please do. I'll I'll take a sip of whiskey. Oh please, yeah. You know what? Actually, do you mind if I get myself a beer? To be honest. Mm. Well, um, okay, right. What brand of beer <laughs> are you drinking? This is actually a seltzer, believe it or not. My roommates bought these and we've gone through a lot of Guinness. So now we're on to a Jerry's seltzer. Strawberry and kiwi flavoured. Is that very sweet? It's actually, well, because seltzers is just um, tonic water. You only get a hint of it, so it's not too bad. Okay, yeah, I find some of these... Um you know you get a lot of these pre-mixed drinks now that you buy out of the Oh, can. they're too much. Yeah. It's I could just, have them when I was a kid, but not now. Mm. Now it's just too sweet. It's just like sugar overload, isn't it? Like, yeah, you don't even taste whatever alcohol's in it, which is probably the intention when you're drinking them when you're, you know, 18. <laughs> yeah. That was, a, that was a long time ago for me, mm, Kelly. Mate, mate, that makes both of us. <laughs> How old? Have we established this? I think we have. So I'm 29 and you're 32 or something, I think. I'm 34 this year. Close enough. Round down. <laughs> Round down, yeah. I've always rounded up. I don't know why. I think it's because when I was uh, 17, I'd want to get in the club. So, mm. like, how yep. gangster did I just sound then? I wanted to get you in. You did sound, yeah, get in the club, get in pop, di- the, pop the bottles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with my, um, yeah, with my homies. <laughs> Very I, sure. I can... I, I'm probably the most ungangster person there is going. Oh, you got a few tats. That's pretty gangster. Yeah, people people look at me and they're like, "Oh my god, you look really intimidating." And then I talk, and they're like, "All oh, right, okay." <laughs> uh, uh, cancel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I've um, yeah, it's really weird. Like when people like if if I've done phone jobs and stuff before, like um, and and then I have to meet like someone in person. They're like. You don't look anything like you sound. I was like, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's like nothing I can do about that. I'm afraid. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, my bad. All right, um, right. Yes, yes. Go on, go on. Sorry. Okay, so what I'm going to tell you about Ollie, this is called the crisis of the third century. Have you heard of this? No. All right. So this is the Roman Empire, as it kind of. You know, it's a it's a very good what goes up must come down kind of story, right? Mm. It's expanded and expanded and expanded, and all of a sudden, it's everything is starting to fall apart, right? So, you know, the empire which spanned you know all the way up to Britain, down from you know Syria into Palestine, all the way into North Africa, Morocco, um, it's started to fracture over the last hundred years. So, it's roughly split into 
three provinces. You've got the breakaway Gallic Empire, which is France, Germany, Britain. You've got the Palmyran Empire, which is Syria, Turkey, Iran, Palestine, and then what's left of the Roman Empire in the middle. So emperors are rising and falling at astounding rates. So you've got one year during this third century crisis, there were six different emperors in one year. Jesus. And you, all right, so I'm going to tell you this guy's name, and you're going to think I'm joking, but this is a real emperor's name. You ready? Oh, I don't know now. I'm going to allow it. His name was Poopianus. <laughs> I wish I could say that's not. I was that joking, is, but <laughs> that is like a South Park joke. Isn't it? <laughs> what an unfortunately <laughs> named man! Right? I could just Poopy-anus. imagine Eric Cartman. Ah, uh, hello, Poopianus. <laughs> yeah all right yeah that was one of them i think he only stuck around i don't even think he made a year so anyway with poopianus and the rest of them everything (laughs) is really really going to hell right so you've got rebellions springing up in every province there's barbarians coming over the the north rhine border in germany every the empire is like teetering on you know total collapse um in the year uh 270 a man called aurelian steps in now, we don't know much about Aurelian because in, in, this, in this crisis period, people were you know, fighting, they weren't writing. So there's not a lot known. It's, there's a very chaotic period and it's almost like a dark age of you know, the Roman Empire. Anyway, so what, what is known, he's a military man. He came from a military background, probably somewhere, I think he grew up somewhere around modern Serbia, okay. which was always a kind of qu- quite a tough area for you know, the Roman recruits. They got their best recruits from Illyria and Serbia. Albania, anyway. So the army is in horrible shape. There's morale is low. The, the, no one's, the, there's no new recruits. Uh, weapons are not standardized. Everything's slowly kind of falling apart because, you know, no one's actually doing anything. So he puts an end to emperor's ruling from the palace. From every battle, he serves on the front lines. Uh, he rebaselines all, sorry, rebases all silver coins, bringing them up to, to 5% silver. So if he's bringing them up to 5% silver, imagine how low quality the coins were mm. before him, right? Right, so... Um, yeah, that's and then, poor. Yeah, it is, it is. The, the empire was in a really bad state, right? People had started, you know, going back to the barter system rather than trading coins because the coin was worth, you know, nothing. Anyway, so over the next few years, he more or less plays like whack-a-mole with rebellions. When one comes up, he just goes in and stamps it out over and over again. He crushes the Gallic Empire and brings it forcefully back into the Roman Empire and then marches all the way east, so goes from Germany to Syria and crushes Zenobia, who is the queen of this Palmyran Empire. That's a cool um, name. I like that name. It is. Yeah, she, she, she's quite famous. And it was International Women's History Month recently, so she's popped up quite a bit, actually. Mm. Um, quite, a, quite a formidable woman, but not formidable enough for Aurelian. Um, <laughs> so... Um, you might have actually seen a capital on the news a few years ago, Palmyra. It was, it's some of the most beautiful Roman ruins that ISIS apparently really, really messed up. So there's still a bit left. But if you look up Palmyra, it is, they're incredible ruins. But we're not going to be able to go there in our lifetime. It's I too, think you know, I so. remember seeing that on the news. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Um, anyway, so because of this restoration he bought in, the Senate gives the Senate bestows on him this new title, Restituta Orbis, which in English from Latin is Restorer of Worlds. I mean, how cool is that of a title? Um, 
So you I've know. actually got a coin of that as well. I, 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 you can get coins of him, you know, for a reasonable mm. price online. It's yeah. I'm gonna uh, change my name, uh, my my slogan and my tagline to that now. Yeah, it's gonna be you. Is it? Did you have it? At, yeah, on your business card or something. <laughs> yeah. With no context as to why it applies I, to you. Yeah, exactly. I was saying um, to someone the other day, like, I like loads of different people's names. So I was thinking, like, every podcast, I just change my name. Like, okay. Like, hello, this is Edmund Green. I don't know. Whatever. That's, like, that's quite <laughs> dashing. I could see Edmund with you. That would work. Mm, Especially yeah. when you had that mustache. It's, it's almost back. Oh, okay. Exciting times ahead. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. Anyway, no, that's all right. Anyway, so rebuilds various cities and generally fixes everything up. And the city of Orleans in France is named after him. Orleans is uh, the translation of Aurelian. So, unfortunately, after five years of just literally, I think the historians refer to him as a Danubian superhero or Superman because just of what he did, he's uh, killed by a secretary in the most uh, depressing circumstances. So... This secretary was kind of embezzling funds from him um, and he was worried that he was... It was something like something minor like that and he was worried he was going to find out and this guy was pretty stern when, when things like this happened. So he needed to get rid of Aurelian and so he instead faked a document because he had his royal seal and then leaked this document that pretty much said Aurelian was planning to, you know, to murder a lot of his top generals and the generals saw that and were like, well, crap, we've got to kill him first. So they killed him. And then found out the secretary had been lying the whole time and they lost one of the best emperors probably Rome has had ever had um, in five years. But over luckily he was replaced over a lie. Yeah, yeah. So you got to think of, first of all, I love to think of what would have happened if he stuck around a bit longer, but also what would have happened if he didn't come around. Like if you look at, if you look at a map of the empire at the moment, it's literally, sorry, at this time, it's literally split in three. It's, it's incredible that he managed to do all this with having virtually no money because all the all the eastern provinces like Egypt, that's where the money came from, that's where all the silk came from and the food. Um, yeah, I, I always love that story. He's one of my favourite favorite emperors and he's the original face I used for the podcast, actually. He's one of the guys that I kind oh, of wicked. was inspired to write about. Yeah, so that's the story of Aurelian and the crisis of the 3rd century and poopy anus. <laughs> <laughs> That might just be the title of this show now. <laughs> Welcome to Poopy Anus. Um, You've gone through a few prospective titles this time, haven't you? I don't know. I like a rebrand. <laughs> right, yeah. Every fair, now and then. Um, uh, what strikes me about all these uh, these empires and people that um, sort of lead these empires, it sounds like such hard work. Like, how do you maintain uh, control over such vast land yeah i i think it we're just not made for it anymore but i do like to see um excuse me the various emperors who try different things right a guy called diocletian and he splits it into he's a real administrator right so he splits it into what's called a tetrarchy so there's a caesar and an augustus in the west and a caesar and augustus in the east and then there's people who kind of tried you know different tactics and as someone who gives it to his kids and stuff like that, everyone kind of injects a bit of their own personality into what it means to be an emperor because it wasn't really defined, right? It was whatever your power was all-encompassing. So mm, You kind of made it your own. Yeah, yeah whatever, yeah, whatever upbringing you had and whatever kind of person you were, that's what you would 
the little flavour you'd give to the Roman Empire, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of yourself left in mm. the... Uh, yeah, it's mad. It's mad. It is. And be- because so many, there were so many different empires as well. Obviously, British, mm. Roman, the Ottoman Empire, like, um, yeah, there was just tons of these mm. sort of empires that were going around. Mm. And, and it's always been my favourite kind of part about doing the, the, the podcast. You kind of... I think historians tend to kind of disagree with what they call like the great man theory. So the theory that one man had, you know, done all this and changed it when mm. it was more likely a pro- a person being a product of their times. But still, it's so interesting to, to see people who, without them, you don't really know how it was going to go, right? Like all it would have taken maybe was one or two more crappy emperors instead of this guy. And who yeah. knows, it might have all just fallen to hell. When I studied history when I was younger, I didn't realise that the uh, the Egyptians and the Romans were around at the same time. Because <laughs> they're, yeah. they're very much portrayed as different things, aren't they? Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just interesting that they were around at the same time. And they were... I, I think... Well, I think what throws everyone off, including myself, is the pyramids. The pyramids are so, so, so old. I think, and this might not be entirely correct, but I I read this quote yesterday that Cleopatra at her time was closer to our present time than she was to when the pyramids were built. Mm. Isn't that crazy, right? Because you think, oh, yeah, she she probably was, you know, knew the guy who built them, (laughs) you know? Mm. She was Greek as well, wasn't she? Yeah, well, all of them were kind of of a Greek dynasty. So Alexander the Great's generals settled in a few different kind of places, and they were Ptolemaic. So she was the first queen or Egyptian rule to ever bother kind of trying to integrate herself. So she learned Egyptian. She learned all kinds of languages. Very intelligent. Which is why you see uh, Cleopatra portrayed in, like, two different, very distinct ways. You see the Greek sort of um, Cleopatra, and then you see the very Egyptian Cleopatra, mm. because she's mm. trying to keep two camps happy. Yeah, yeah, I think she did a good job on the whole, compared to a mm. dickhead little brother who I think kind of started a rebellion against her or something, mm. <laughs> as yeah. they do. Yeah, apparently she wasn't as good looking as they say. Oh, um, what a shame! <laughs> I know, I know. How would how anyone would know that? I have no idea. But um, that sounds like a scorned lover being like, "Well, she wasn't even hot," you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, the whole walk like an Egyptian song, you know, yeah. playing while someone's got all their dreadlocks and stuff. Yeah. And they're really, um, it's really not dated, uh, like it's not aged well um, when you've got people um, sort of trying to darken their skin to look more Egyptian. It just doesn't look good now. <laughs> no, it's, no. Um, I, it's not very I, authentic or... Um, culturally sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the time's probably passed for that kind of stuff, <laughs> with yeah. good reason. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Elliot. Yes. I want to talk to you about St Albans, which I was going to mention, which I have mentioned already. Um, I think I mentioned it quite a lot in the last one, but St Albans, let's talk about it again. It, please, can you also just tell me exactly where it is, because I don't really know that well. So, St Albans is in Hertfordshire. So it's in the county that I live in. Um, okay. It is... So, Hertfordshire is just north of London. Um, okay. Just north of Greater London. So, it's one of the home counties 
so the home counties are basically anything that surrounds London. Okay. Um, Hertfordshire being one of them. Um, Hertfordshire uh, is an old Tudor hunting ground, hence Hertfordshire, heart, deer, hunting ground. That's, ah, I like yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. It's clever. So, yeah. So um, you get a, a, a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of the royal children were brought up around here. So Elizabeth I was brought up around here. Um, she found out she was queen around here. Um, yeah, so Hertfordshire is very uh, well populated now, but back then it wouldn't have been. Um, but going further back <laughs> to uh, the time that we're talking about uh, in uh, St Albans, which wasn't called St Albans. It okay. was called Valenium. Okay. Um, and it was a uh, a Celtic settlement, um, and it's been that it was there like pre Roman. Um, uh, the Romans came across and took it, <laughs> and, as they do, yeah, and made it into one of the most important places in the UK, um, more important than London. Um, wow. Okay. It was. It had the ancient road, um, which you might have heard of, called Watling Street. Um, yes, I think I have heard of that. Yeah. So Watling Street again is another Roman road that went from uh, London um, up to sort of the border of Wales. That kind of cut across um, uh, almost where the HS two line is going <laughs> now. Okay. It's, okay. I it's think I can there. picture that. Yeah. Yeah. So so Watling Street is still there. You can still go on it. You can still drive on it. Um, it, you can still walk on it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's been there for you can a do long. Do whatever you want on it. You can, well, within reason, Elliot. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. Within reason. That just <laughs> reminds me. I have to digress here slightly. I remember being in a uh, a pub very near to Watling Street, actually, and I had had a bit too much to drink, and for some reason, I had gone out and bought. Um, I don't know if you know what Shaken Vac is. No, I don't. So Shaken Vac is a very. Uh, old school 1970s british way of cleaning carpets so the um the the slogan would go shake and shake and back and put the freshness back right so that's clever yeah so i had this shaken vac because uh my carpet was not smelling too fresh and it gives it like a lemon scent and i was like right okay. I'll, I'll get it and then i went to the pub had a few drinks for some reason I, felt, I, I went into the middle of this road in this roundabout, these little white roundabouts that we insist on having in this country that don't do anything. Um, and I was dancing on the roundabout, shaking and vacking the roundabout, and, um, okay, and okay. then got stopped by the police. So um, talking of doing anything on roads, you can't do that. To be honest, do you blame those police for stopping you? No, to be honest, I was... <laughs> I was a terrible, terrible human. <laughs> no. Sounds like you need to be taken home and, you know, to, to bed. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, it was fun. It was fun. They were like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm shaking and vacking. They were like, get out the roundabout. I was like, okay. Carry um, on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, roads, St Albans. Um, uh, so, the history of... Uh, so sorry, it was it was called Valadium and uh, now it's called St Albans. It's in Hertfordshire, England. Now the history of St Albans begins around twenty BC, where the local Celtic tribe built their capital there. 
So this was the capital before London. Um, uh, it, it was basically a town of wooden huts and thatched roofs uh, surrounded by a ditch and an earth embankment. So you get these uh, strong images of these Celtic villages mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that we've seen all over telly and stuff. Um, so that's that's what it was. Uh, the Romans came and they were like, this is a nice little settlement. We'll have this. We'll upgrade we'll it. That. Yeah, we'll upgrade it. Um, we'll build uh, stone fortifications, um, uh, which... You know what that reminds me of? You know you know what, when you play Age of Empires or something and you advance to the next age and all your buildings suddenly look a whole yeah. lot nicer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Age of Empires. So, again, a, a digression here. So I had Age of Empires on the PC. And, One or um, two? Two. Oh, very good. And I had uh, the disc... Uh, I, so our computer was in my mum and dad's bedroom, and I, I put the disc on the on the bed because uh, I was changing discs to the Sims or something. And uh, my mum came in like oblivious to it, sat on it, snapped it in half. Oh, they're not cheap either. Well, it never got replaced. Still to this mm. day, she owes me an Age of Empires thing. Although there's no CD drives these days, is there? So you you could be a completely different person if you had played Age of Empires two instead of the Sims going forward. Think about that. Yeah, it changed yeah. my life. It did, it did. Maybe not for the better. <laughs> um, yes, but they, 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 they changed all, all, all their buildings into to, to stone, um, a lot of which are still there, and you can see them. With Rome, a lot of the streets are named after Roman um, dwellings or people. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like, give us an example of a few. Really, I, I'd love to, but I don't have them in front of me. So that's okay, one. That's that's, that's one for Google for you. Um, <laughs> but they have they have a dedicated Roman museum there in St Albans. Um, wow. Which is which is great, and I I highly recommend it. And you can go and see uh, the old amphitheater that uh, you can still see. The outline of it, you can still see the uh, the shape of it where people used to sit. Uh, where they would get their drinks, where the horses and carts would go, wow. like, all of that kind of stuff is still there. Um, wow. There is a uh, a Roman wall which is still up, um, which you can see. Um, the the St Albans that we know today is built slightly off of where the original Roman settlement was, which is a good thing because it's not been destroyed. Um, right, right. And a lot of uh, St Albans remains sort of undiscovered because a lot of it sits in fields. So there's still a lot of it to be um, excavated. You mean like paddocks, right? Or uh, No, like yeah. Cattle fields? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's a lot right, of... Yeah. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of things to be discovered still to this day. Wow. Um, there, a lot of it's private land. Some of it has been taken down, like it was uh, in Rome, like we spoke about mm. earlier, and then um, built elsewhere. So the 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 Roman Wall of St Albans uh, was built in two six five AD, um, and it was uh, basically to defend the Roman city of Valanium, um, okay. and it can still be traced for its whole two mile circuit. So when you say trace, what's left of it? Is there, is there so, literal bits of wall or? Yeah, there's a, if you if wow. you go, so English Heritage manage, um, the the section that's still there, 
and the rest of it is in an embankment in a ditch, so you can just follow it round. Wow. Yeah, which is really that's, interesting. That's quite cool, actually. Mm. Have you have you walked it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, wow. I live ten minutes down the road. It's not far. Mm. Um, okay, makes sense. So yeah, no, I've been there. I've been there many many a time. Um, uh, so at its peak, this Roman wall uh, towered um, five meters and was topped with a walkway. Um, that was 1.8 metres thick, giving the indication of the importance placed yeah. on the Roman town. Now, because of where it was on the junk, uh, a, a junction of Watling Street, it was a massive strategic location for people travelling north and south. Mm, okay. Um, which was important because they were, they were coming in from the south. They were trying to go north to sort of conquer more and more and more and more. It was a really important place to be. Mm. Um, more so than London, you said. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Wow. So Lond- Londinium was uh, kind of second to Valanium and um, Colchester. London... I no idea, okay. Yeah, so London itself only became the capital as we know it today, a long time after the Romans had gone. Um, and so, so the Roman city of Londinium, which we call the Square Mile today, was kind of, uh, well, it was burnt down by Boudicca. She burnt down mm-hmm. St Albans and um, Colchester, God. also London. When the Romans left, there was another city uh, built uh, called Westminster, <laughs> which was outside okay. of London, which is so. There's there's basically two cities in London, which people don't realise. So there's the city of London and Westminster, are two separate right. are two separate cities, but under the under the border of Greater London. I had no idea. Yeah, I just know like Westminster Cathedral or whatever it is, Westminster Abbey. Yeah, yeah, they're two. Right. They they were two separate places. Um, when Londinium was, was was left kind of to rot after Boudicca had burnt it down and the Romans had left, um, it kind of just laid in ruins for ages and Westminster mm. was kind of the, the, the place to be. But then as time went on, the the walls that the Romans had built in London um, were seen as useful defences, so they kind of went mm. back into what would have been the square mile and Londinium. Right, um, okay. Uh, which is really interesting. The Square Mile is my favourite part of London. I love it. I don't think I know it officially. Is it? Is it? Is that what it's officially called, or is it known by other names? Uh, so the it's called the City of London and the Square Mile because okay. London was it was small. It wasn't very big. Mm. Um, mm. And if you go down to the the Barbican and where the um, Museum of London is now, you can still see the old Roman walls. They're still there. I've walked those. I've walked the whole thing as much as I could. They're very, and there's a statue of um, I think it's Trajan at the at the front of them, right? Possibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a, a, like a little one, a, a modern one, but mm. yeah. So uh, the Barbican is the the very odd looking, nineteen seventy uh, sorry nineteen sixties uh, concrete massive structure. Okay. Um, okay. that kind of engulfs the walls of these Roman walls, but they're still visible. Um, so there's there's one outside of, if you go to Tower Hill, if you come, if you literally come directly out of Tower Hill Station, 
If you're going over to the Tower of London, on your left-hand side, there's just a massive chunk of the old Roman wall still right, there. Right, right, right. Um, and you'd walk past it, you'd blink and you'd miss it. Yeah, um, okay. But it, it's still there. I, I, I will give you the tour when we're allowed. Please, yes. We'll um, get a drink as well, maybe. <laughs> many, many. <laughs> Um, see how see how you go toe to toe with the Australians. You, you sent us over to Australia for a reason, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. I won't tell you what happened last time. I got merry with an Australian. <laughs> All right, I'll leave that to the uh, <sighs> to the imagination. Yes, I was very poorly <laughs> the next day. Uh, we will do the Roman London or Londinium tour. But yes, St Albans was a very important um, yeah, place again, okay. which uh, you can you can see you can visit. Um, they uh, they very much pride themselves on being a Roman town, um, uh, which is, I think, it's a really like it, uh, I think people see Britain as very separate to the Romans. However, like the Romans when they did come here, they did there was integration, like there always is. When yeah, cultures... you were there for a while, right? Like yeah. 400, 300 years? Or so descend, like, although we see ourselves, I say we, like the Britons see themselves as a very Celtic nation, there'll be descendants of Romans. Of course, yeah. From their time here as well. So, so it's very much uh, a part of our history. But it's a part of our history we see it as, as us and them, which is very bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you've, you've got a bit of you've got a bit of everything. You've got a bit of Anglo, bit of Sac, well, hence Anglo-Saxons, right? As well as mm. the Danes came over. Yeah. Everyone kind of you know double dipped in the the Britain gene pool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Europe as a whole is so interlinked and so mm. into. I mean, yourself included. You'll you'll come from a European background, definitely uh, somewhere along the line, because. Mm. You're clearly not native Australian. I'm um, not. Good, good pickup. <laughs> yeah, um, especially you've got blue eyes, haven't you? Which is very rare um, for um, any native person to have. Yeah, to to the best of my knowledge, I don't think any Aboriginals are b- born with with blue eyes. The Aboriginals look very diverse because Australia is so big. Mm. Um, there's thousands of languages. If you look, if you look at a language map of Australia. Before Britain came, it's an incredibly diverse culture, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know any that have blue eyes. <laughs> I could be wrong though. Do you uh, have you have you researched any of your? Um, I have history? actually. It's funny you said. So I got one of those DNA tests. Mm, yeah, I've done um, that. Yeah. So, so my my dad is English. He was born in England, um, somewhere around London, I think. And then so that puts me as half English. But what I didn't get, I I got about sixty percent of um, you know. Um, English kind of Celtic Ireland Scotland mm. well, not Scotland so English and then I got um, 35% um, Scandinavian which I wouldn't have guessed no I can see that I can 100% that was, that was news to me no I can 100% see that yeah <laughs> and then um, I got 3% of um, Western Asian so that's um, Anatolia of Turkey so all the way up to Istanbul down into oh, um, the Levantine coast and then Really interestingly, I got 1.9% Mesoamerican. So that is Peru and Ecuador, um, that kind of region. Oh, amazing. Don't know how that slipped in there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you done them? Yeah, no, I did mine. And I, I was very much under the impression that it was going to be 
boring as hell. It was going to be like 100% Celtic Britain. Okay. Um, but it wasn't to my absolute delight, actually. What did you get? So um, I got um, a very small percentage of um, like English. Uh, okay. I got uh, a higher percent of, of, of Celtic, so um, wow. uh, Irish uh, slash Scottish. Um, but the, the highest percentage was um, uh, German. Wow, really? Yeah. Did you, and you, don't, you, you didn't pick that at all? No, not at all. I always... I always no, no, this sounds really hippified. I always had this... Um, notion that I felt very connected to Europe as okay. a as a as a place. Like every time I kind of been over to Germany or I'd been over to so 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 the map was kind of it was kind of blurred over sort of Germany into um into uh the Netherlands. So kind right, of that okay. that area. Um but like now that I've I, I, I've kind of discovered it and I, I, I've said it, a lot of people sort of look at me and they're like, oh, yeah, I could kind of see that you could be... <laughs> I, I don't know if they're just saying it because, like, they know now, but um, they're like, yeah, I could see, like, German. Like, I could see it now, blah, blah, blah. Um, N- next time they do, just say, yeah, I'm actually uh, 55% Portuguese. Then they're like, oh, yeah, I see it, I see it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, I don't know how accurate these things are, but... Um, yeah. I've... Yeah. Uh, so I've... I've well, uh, uh, a friend of mine... Uh, traced my family tree back um and so far we're we're still very much in britain ireland and scotland so we've not got we've not got to that um that german side yet but yeah it's um a a lot of european dna will be mixed anyway like because Mm. it's so closely related yeah of course Mm. do you have a middle name william very, oh, okay. All my brothers, I've got, I've got three brothers, and they've all got very regal names. So Alexander, Edward, and William, and then I've got Elliot. Right, they're all kind of kingship or you know old money kind of names, and mm. mine's just like guttural. <laughs> I um, they're nice names. So who is your brother that does the Goosebumps podcast? That's Alexander. Alexander. So so yeah, he's actually got every single book, by the way, and some of them. So you've probably picked up quite a few, and I used to collect them when I was a kid too. I've read most of them, but he's got. All the originals and a few from the uh, series two thousand. Yeah, yeah. I've st- I've been. I've gone on an eBay spree. So for people who don't know what I'm talking about, so the Goosebumps books by R. L. Stein, uh, very much of our time. They, I think, the first book came out in ninety three, and then the last one came out in two thousand and something sometime. Um, spooky stories, short spooky stories uh, for teenagers. Yeah, or, yeah. or, or young teenagers. Younger, yeah. Let's say. Yeah, so um, I, uh, for a bit of nostalgia, because I very much heart back to the 90s. I don't know why, I just want to be back there. Um, and so I started reading all these Goosebumps books, and uh, Elliot mentioned to me that his brother does a podcast where he, like, reviews them. Um, and I've started listening to the podcast. And I um, should probably plug it, shouldn't I? Gatsy yeah, plug on, it. Gatsy on Goosebumps, so... That's Gatsy with uh, two T's, I think. Gatsy, G-A-T-T-S-Y, on Goosebumps. So it goes all from the best to the worst, and there are some real shockers on there. <laughs> it's, it's good. Um, I've only listened to the ones that I've read. Okay. So okay. that I'm kind of jumping in order. But, yeah, no, they're funny. I like them. 
Um, and I'm gutted that I didn't think of it first. To be <laughs> you, he, he'd probably love to feature you, to be honest, because he featured me on one of them. He, he asked me to read one and then talk it over through him. So if, if you'd like to do it, I'm sure he'd really be up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Anything to talk about Goosebumps. Well, there you, much. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So I've read, um, hold on, I've got them beside me. I sent Elliot, Elliot a picture of all of them earlier. There's tons of them. So it's yeah. like, Did you buy those in one in one purchase, by the way? Because no, they're, what, 30 no. there? Oh, okay, that's, that's your whole collection, is it? Yeah. So okay. uh, one, two, three, four, five, six in the last two weeks. So, um, I mean, they're not hard to read. W- which ones are going? Because I've read most of them. So, oh, let me grab them here. So, The Haunted School. I like that one. Ghost, yep. Ghost Camp. Weird. That was a bit all over the place, yeah. A Night in Terror Tower. That was a classic, probably one of the best, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Headless Ghost. Oh, that was, I can't remember that one, actually, yeah. Uh, Welcome to Dead House. That was also another classic. Say Cheese and Die. That one sucked. That was one of the worst ones I've ever read. That was read. the second one, wasn't it? That's it so far. Yeah. Have you Have you seen any of the TV series, by yeah, the way? Yeah, it's so bad, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> you can like, get the them on YouTube. Is, Oh, they're, they're, they're very nostalgic for me. So if I'm like, had a you know bad day at work, I'll just sit down and put on that. I, I watch it and I think, God, this sucks. Yeah. This is no good. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's very of its age, isn't it? The 90s. Oh, fair. yeah. Um, I don't know. Those kids they hired, did, have they ever acted before? I mean, I'm not an actor, but it's just shocking. Uh, yeah, some of it is terrible. Um, it, it kind of led me on to uh, watching, I don't know if you had it in Australia, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes, we did, but it was only available on cable, so I only saw it when I went to my rich friend's house. <laughs> ah, I see. So we... Um, so again, something that my dad would um, allow us to watch. Mum would go to work in the evening. Um, dad would like at seven o'clock on Nickelodeon, like whack it on, and um, yeah. The, I mean, even now the intro is fucking spooky. Like it is, yeah, yeah. It's, with the clown, like ha 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 ha. Yeah, um, I think if you've got, if if I can recommend two horrendously bad Goosebump books, so. Shocker on Shock Street was the worst book I've ever read. I've never even heard of that one. Oh, it's... And then there's um, Legend of the Lost Legend. Both of them suck. They are the worst. But they're they're so bad you should read them, Mm. you know? (laughs) I mean, yeah. I... uh, A lot of... I, I found, like, when I've been reading them, two things. So so the first thing is uh, the names have aged really badly. They're mm. very 90s names, like Brad and Topanga. Yeah. Like, oh, you mean the character names? Yeah. 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 So they've aged really badly. And um, uh, some of... So, so the storylines, although some of them are good, like, there's a lot of build-up, 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 build-up. And then... Like it's like the last chapter is like the conclusion. Yeah, it's almost it's like really he's hitting sh- his, his sure. Like, yeah, it's like he's hit his word limit. He's like, oh crap, I've got a hundred words to finish this. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, because the the the, 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 um, the haunted school, I was like really getting into it. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then it kind of went off on a bit of a tangent slightly, which is fine. I don't mind that. Um, <laughs> But then it ended like really like abruptly, and I was like, "Ah, mm. oh, is that is that it? Like what what?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you set all the time building up a, a scene, right? And then it's just that's the end of it. Yeah, I feel like maybe I need to rewrite some of the endings. 
That could be good. Like a little, um, what do they call those? Um, fan, fan fiction almost. Mm, yeah, I say that, but I can't be bothered. I've got another project on the go, which I haven't even finished yet. Um, which is this the, is the other show, right? So it's, it's, um, uh, so it's, uh, it's writing. So it's a, a publication that I'm doing. Um, right. I, so it's not a podcast, although I probably will record some of the stories. Um, a busy man. Yeah, yeah. Well, in April, I am shutting down shop for a month to concentrate. Oh, you mentioned that. Yeah. To concentrate solely on um, the writing, uh, and then I'll be back. Uh, and we're a year old in April, which is exciting. Congratulations! So, so now that I've featured on this, am I officially one of the history emporium pals? Do I qualify as that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, very, do I get a badge or something? Is there anything that there's no budget? I'm afraid, Elliot. <laughs> we might be yeah. we might be a year old and getting um getting the downloads, but no one no one's sending me money yet. So. <laughs> I'll buy my own badge. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can send you. I've got a sticker. I can send you a sticker. I could do it. I'll send you one of mine back. Okay. Well, we'll yeah, we'll yeah. swap stickers. Just. <laughs> Just exchange tickets. All right, sounds good. Can you imagine? I've, uh, I've just got a new uh, Mac and I've got uh, like a cover on it. But on the cover, I kind of want to be like cool and put loads of stickers on it. Um, yeah. Uh, the people that do that, they're the people that do programming and they put all the programming languages they learn on it. But I don't know programming. So what am I going to just, just, I don't know, random stickers of people's podcasts, I guess. <laughs> Goosebumps and... That's true. Um, I don't know if you like Harry Potter, but get some of them on there. That could be good. That could be good. Well, that's another question. Do you like Harry Potter? Oh, look, I liked it enough, right? But I just don't get the hysteria. Like, I like Lord of the Rings a lot more, and I feel like you kind of got to be in one camp and out of the other. Mm, yeah, I was definitely in the Harry Potter camp. Right. What about Seinfeld or Friends? As in the TV shows? Yeah. I mean, I hated Friends. Um, okay. It doesn't sound like you were too fond of Seinfeld, though. Well, I've never heard of it. What is it? You know, really, you never heard of Seinfeld? Yeah. What is that? Ah, it was. Um, it's so Jerry Seinfeld. It's it's the it's like the antithesis of Friends, kind of. It's the guy's name is Jerry Seinfeld. He's a very famous comedian in America. Ran for about the same length of Friends. Very similar kind of show, but I think it's much funnier. Mm. I'm surprised you haven't heard of that. It's very interesting. Maybe it was just very big in Australia and America. No, I'll tell you what was um, big here, which was Australian. Um, okay. Round the Twist. Oh, yeah, that was a good show, actually. That was there was a some spooky episodes show. there, actually. Yeah, where there, there was, was a ghost in the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the things happening in the toilet or whatever was going on in there. there was a, it was an odd show. I don't think you get away with a lot of that now on TV. No, I think, again, like nostalgia is quite. I don't know if these things should stay in your head sometimes or mm. if you should go back and rewatch them, but. I have been re-watching the Are You Afraid of the Dark? So I still quite like them. The acting's terrible. but um, I think they're better on a whole than Goosebumps as a show, I think, generally. Goosebumps had some better big-budget episodes like Night in Terror Tower and Welcome to Dead House. They were good. but Night in Terror Tower, um, because I had such a, a, a fascination with um, uh, the Tower of London, it very much reminded me of that, which I think it was based on. I'm sure it is, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I loved it. I remember getting the the VHS and book for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Along with like the um, the horrible histories, like terrible Tudors and stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I was. I don't know how we've got from the Romans to. I don't know. It's probably I mean, probably time to br- break it off. I think. <laughs> All right, well, uh, thanks very much for having me on the show, Ollie. We'll uh, have to catch up for a beer around old Londinium sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on and thank you for allowing me to be on your show as well. Uh, pleasure. All right, chat later, mate. Bye-bye. <laughs>